You don't even like sports. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports, a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. You don't even like sports. You don't even like sports. No, you don't even like sports. You don't even like sports. Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports. I'm Adam Todd Brown. And I'm sports. No, you got that wrong. (laughs) Take it from the top. I'm Jeff May. Hey, you don't even like sports. You nailed it this time, Jeff. Oh, God. I'm getting better at this every fucking episode. This is a bittersweet moment in this podcast because we are wrapping up the Dennis Rodman season. No, that means we get to do a new season soon. Yeah. And it's going to be a tough pickings as to what we're going to do next. Yeah. I thought we already decided. I think we did, but we keep texting each other different people we want to do. Yeah. And so it's like hard to, you know, you get it. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. But for now, let's talk about uh, what Dennis Rodman's basketball career has been building up for. It all culminates in this into dealing with diplomacy for one of the axis of evil. This was, I would argue, a turn that probably no one saw coming in the Dennis Rodman story, including Dennis Rodman. This is the Mad Libs of uh, fucking geopolitical experiences. There's literally, this is a family guy joke that's real. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's like that time Dennis Rodman went to North Korea. Dennis Rodman goes to North Korea. That's what we're talking about today. I was going to say, and then they would show just what happened anyway. (laughs) Yeah. What happens when he goes to North Korea is pretty insane. It's funny because as we were watching the documentary and as we were going through a lot of this stuff, you and I have the same kind of concern, which is it feels like Dennis Rodman could be murdered during this by many different people. It definitely feels like Dennis Rodman could have died in North Korea, possibly the minute he got there. Like his first trip, he he does some crazy shit. Or the minute he got back. Right. Like that that's the thing that makes this so fucking crazy is that like if the cia fucking killed him right when he got back and they could be like oh the koreans must have poisoned him on the way home like there's so many different ways dennis rodman could have died oh absolutely including just poisoning himself accidentally right alcohol poisoning i think is the most likely way he could have died in north korea Drunk skiing may have been an option. Yeah. When this story originally broke back in 2013, I was working for Cracked, and I actually did a video for Cracked about Dennis Rodman's trip to North Korea, and I kind of jokingly insinuated that Vice Media, who is the company responsible for Dennis Rodman going to North Korea the first time. Of course it is. I kind of insinuated that they might be a wing of the government, and I just was doing it kind of as a joke because the week prior, Vice had written kind of a jokey article making fun of Cracked, but in like a sort of respectful way. So this was us like firing back at them. And watching this documentary that we're going to 
discuss. I don't necessarily feel like I was wrong. Like, I, I feel like there might be some government involvement in Dennis Rodman going to North Korea. I would unequivocally say Obama would not have anything to do with this. Not officially. Well, you would think that he would have, he would be involved in that, except Obama being from Chicago and being a Bulls fan knows probably enough about Dennis Rodman to know that you don't trust him to really do anything. Right. Except that kind of makes him the best person to send in because if you are Kim Jong-un, you're like, well, this guy, this is just a fucking dumb American who's good at basketball. Like, what kind of threat is he going to pose to me? I still, I know this isn't the conspiracy podcast, but I still have a feeling in my gut that Michael Jackson was some sort of government operative because who had access to world leaders like Michael Jackson in the 80s? Nobody. He could talk to anybody and never went to jail for touching a whole lot of kids just watching him moonwalk with the ayatollah and shit (laughs) that's the kind of shit he was doing and dennis rodman i feel like once we found out kim jong-un was a big basketball fan because they in the beginning of this documentary they talk about this picture that was alleged to be kim jong-un wearing dennis rodman's jersey from the 96 bulls but it wasn't it was kim jong-un's brother which brother is he alive i don't think so i think it might be the brother who got killed at the airport in malaysia (laughs) yikes but i feel like once the intelligence community caught wind of that i could see them being like let's send in rodman and see if he can uh get us some information yeah the fucking pyongyang candidate (laughs) but that's for another podcast i suppose no, I feel like it's for this podcast. <laughs> I feel like we don't ha- we won't get another chance, Adam. No, it's it's interesting because but like I also feel like it seems like Kim Jong Un is doubling down on a bad bet during this. Like because he kind of has this existence as an infallible leader that when shit is really hitting the fan, he has to be like <sighs> Yeah, all right. Well, this is the American we picked. There's 370 million of them and we picked this dipshit. Let's stick with it. Yeah. It is worth noting, though, that as far as I can tell, Dennis Rodman has not personally met with Kim Jong-un since the basketball game depicted in this documentary. Yes, since his birthday, since Kim Jong-un's birthday. Right. Ever since then, even with all the trips he's made back to North Korea, which I think is just one after that, he has yet to meet with Kim Jong-un again. Hey, Adam. I have an idea. What's that? What if we go on Cameo and have Dennis Rodman sing happy birthday to us like we're the dictator of North Korea? I would be 100% in favor of that. That'll be the intro to next season. Let me let me tell you, because we're talking about this and we're, we've mentioned it a little bit, the basketball game, and we're going to come to that. But that's going to be the crux point of insanity for years to come. Literal years. Literal years. I don't think we've said the name of the documentary yet that we're talking about. It's called Dennis Rodman's Big Bang in Pyongyang. What a stupid name for a documentary. It is a dumb name. We both watched it on Sling, I believe. Yep, it's available on Sling free. You don't even need to be a subscriber. Yeah, you just uh, go search Dennis Rodman and it'll be the first thing that comes up. But you can also like rent it places. 
I think if you have a Roku, you can just search it in Roku, and I think it's available through their apps as well. Yeah, and it's really interesting. It sure is. It is a difficult watch. It's interesting watching something be so important and watching the results be the complete crumbling of a human. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, being in Los Angeles and being around so many comedians... I feel like I've seen smaller scale versions of this play out with people I know where they have this opportunity and it's just like, you're going to fuck it up somehow. You're going to fuck it up. And they do. They sure do. And that's essentially what this documentary is about. It's about Dennis Rodman fucking up a huge opportunity. I would say a globally important opportunity. Yeah. Like, how many people get to do anything on a global scale? Exactly. And especially something like this, where to hear Dennis Rodman tell it, his whole point is to kind of open up negotiations between us and North Korea. And there's precedent for stuff like this working. In the 70s, we sent a team of fucking ping pong players to China as kind of a show of goodwill, probably doing a little spying too. And two years later... Nixon was in China. He's like, I was watching what was happening in China. Because <laughs> Forrest Gump went to China, Forrest Adam. Gump. Tom remember, Hanks. Remember Tom, Tom Hanks went undercover. Yeah. And then he started COVID-19 when he was in China. Right. That's why he got it. Well, he got it because COVID-19 is a cover for the mass arrest of deep state pedophiles. Tom Hanks, by the way, now safely home in California and completely unarrested conspiracy theorists anyway so this documentary it starts with dennis rodman's agent basically getting a call out of nowhere from vice media saying hey we we want to take dennis rodman to north korea and he was traveling with the harlem globe trotters that tracks they do trot the globe adam so he goes for this trip and everything goes mostly normal and he hits it off so well with kim jong-un that he agrees to come back four months later there's something to be said about kim jong-un seeing the globetrotters and like the globetrotters be like here this is basketball and they're like spinning a ball on a pen and just watching them get shot by a firing squad (laughs) for cheating at basketball i'm borderline surprised that didn't happen like you can't use ladders in basketball we know so there was supposed to be water in that bucket. Now it's just shards of paper. What are yeah, you doing? You got confetti on the on the honorable leader. So <laughs> sorry about that, Curly. You're going down. And that was kind of the problem. Kim Jong-un wasn't impressed. He was like, I wanted to see basketball, not these fucking clowns doing magic tricks. Clowns doing magic tricks would be pretty rad, though. I feel like North Korea's magic clown game is pretty weak. <laughs> they, they could use a couple of bozos, if you know what I mean. So he goes back four months later. That's where he finds out, one, that Kim Jong-un hated the Harlem Globetrotters. And he also does the first thing that could have potentially gotten him murdered. Apparently during a dinner with Kim Jong-un and several North Korean dignitaries, Dennis Rodman stands up to give a toast and says, Marshall, your father and your grandfather did some fucked up shit, but you're trying to change things and I love you for that. And there is apparently an awkward pause of about five seconds, and then Kim Jong-un raises his glass, and everyone cheers. Dennis Rodman could have been shot. 
yep. right then and there. Hey, you know why Kim Jong Un hates the Globetrotters? Because he's technically a general. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I get fuck it. Fuck you. Yeah, man, that should have. He should have died. He should have been murdered for that. Yeah, and here's why I feel like there's some because I know it sounds crazy to say, oh, well, the the government probably had a part in this, and I know we like to think Obama wouldn't do something like that, but any american intelligence agency is gonna want information about north korea if we can get it so i promise you dennis rodman has at least talked to the government about this in some way and another weird thing that happens is so the first time he goes is with vice media the second time he's planning to go by himself just him and his entourage of people just a little vacay. And out of the blue, this guy named Joe Terwilliger pops up. There was an auction where you got to spend time with Dennis Rodman, and he had the highest bid. And during this meeting, he floats the idea of, hey, as it turns out, I'm an expert on North Korea. I speak Korean. I go to North Korea all the time to teach science. What if I go with you? I go to North Korea all the time. I fucking love North Korea. Well, it seems like he does, though. He looks like he's just trying to find a bride. Probably. Like that vibe, the vibe that this dude gives off, you're like, oh, man, I don't want, I don't want you around. No wonder you wanted to meet Dennis. You want to learn how to fuck. I don't know. He's got that comical kind of persona that in 2020 i more associate that with he'd actually make a good spy yeah because he's like a fuck he looks like he's one of those milady dorks you know oh yeah like i'm surprised there's no fedora that he's wearing unless dennis had a rule that he was the only one allowed to wear those (laughs) but yeah so the guy that he like he's like hey let me join let me join the team and they're like great we know nothing about north korea come along they're like are you good at karaoke he's like no but i'll do it and then they're like awesome he was all right he gets so much karaoke time like the amount of screen time dedicated to this dude doing karaoke is fantastic yeah well for one thing because he speaks korean so it's just this like fucking weird science looking dude jumping up there and throwing down on north korean karaoke hits so dennis agrees to come back and put on a basketball game. And the series of... This is the it's the most Dennis Rodman thing that happens. Because he's like gonna go and he's gonna set up this team. And so he finds uh, a sponsor. And what else, who do you think is gonna sponsor Dennis Rodman to do anything? What group of people do you know fucking love Dennis Rodman? The Irish? The Irish, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> An I, I, Irish uh, Irish gamblers. Um, yeah, he teams up with Paddy Power for a while. Yeah, they agree to finance the trip in exchange for him helping to promote this promotion they had going at the time where you could bet on who the next pope would be. And if the pope turned out to be black, you got all your money back, which is kind of funny. It's funny that that is not a joke, and yet it's hilarious. Right, because there was actually a good chance that the Pope was going to be black. There's always one of those things where we're like, there's a good chance the Pope's going to be black, but in reality, you're like, but there's not. It's like when they were like, there's a good chance a woman will be president, and you're like, "Mm, I mean, we say that, but you know how people really vote. So he basically announces that this basketball game is going to be happening. He's working with Patty Power. And in between that trip 
and when the game actually happens, a few uh, pretty important things take place. One, Kenneth Bay, an American who was in North Korea to uh, like doing missionary work or something, gets kidnapped. Or I think that had actually happened before yeah. Rodman went. This is something confusing to me is that we have this North Korean policy and yet we are talking about a lot of people that are just in and around North Korea. It's such a weird thing that it's like, well, we have a policy about North Korea and then there's this random white dude that's like, oh, I fucking go there all the time. I'll go. And then it's like, oh, this guy that was in North Korea got arrested. And it's like, why are all these fucking people in North Korea? I thought we had a, like a rule. Yeah, there's a really interesting documentary. It's called The Propaganda Game, and it's about North Korea and how some of the stories you hear coming out of North Korea aren't always 100% true. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as we accuse other countries of engaging in propaganda, we obviously engage in it ourselves also and if you're going to watch this Dennis Rodman documentary which you should I would also suggest watching that it features a few different Americans who basically defected to North Korea and it's an interesting counterpoint to all of the things you typically hear about that country like for example sometimes people go there and uh, attempt to overthrow the government apparently right because In addition to the Kenneth Bay thing that was happening, in between Dennis Rodman's third trip and that basketball game, news breaks that Kim Jong-un executed his uncle for treason. And I feel like I need a little more detail before I get too angry about that because we also execute people for treason. There's also, have we, during this, when does Matthew Todd Miller come into this time period is it i forget if he goes before or after miller but because matthew todd miller was also imprisoned at the same time um and he was a dude that went he was like a dude in his 20s that went there to get arrested basically when he was um i believe it was like acts hostile to the government or uh while something like while entering under the guise of a tourist or something like that and he basically like ripped down a poster oh no that's otto warmbier oh wait matthew todd miller was arrested and given six years of hard labor i just looked him up yeah otto warmbier is the guy who tore down a poster and he comes up later in this for sure but he's the guy that tore down the poster and then came back to the united states basically in a vegetative state and died here oh yeah this is the guy that uh he looks like he was being just an asshole initial reports said that he tore up the visa upon arrival at the airport and declared his intent to seek political asylum he was arrested for unruly behavior which is interesting when you take it in context with this documentary because speaking of unruly behavior all of the media attention that dennis rodman is getting for announcing this game really gets to him in the months when he's back in the united states before finally going back to north korea for the actual game and it gets to him to the point that he starts drinking a lot and it's not just when we say a lot i i I don't know if people are aware of how much that is like he's fucked up he shows up to things at like 10 a.m fucked up yeah he the minute they land in north korea he's fucked up i think by when they probably when they get to the airport to fly to north korea he's probably pretty hammered by then and as soon as they land in north korea 
he is super duper drunk and he stays that way the entire trip and it's never a fun drunk no like there's no jolliness to it there's a lot of him screaming at people there's a lot of him getting in people's faces there's a lot of uh, him accusing people of subterfuge there's that that's like a huge thing is that he yeah. is just convinced everybody is trying to fuck him including all of the people that he brought with him yeah he's not a good drunk by any stretch of the imagination except he loves him some joe terwilliger he sure does I mean, they are thick as thieves, Adam. I, I'm telling you, I feel like Joe Terwilliger was his government-assigned protection in North Korea, and we just that don't know sound it. far off, yeah. Guy's like, I know everything about Korea, and I have this gun. Yeah, very convenient. And one of the first drunk Dennis Rodman moments, he goes to the stadium, the basketball stadium, the morning after they arrive, 10 a.m., already drunk, already fucking hammered, and he's there to pick the players that will compete against this NBA team. Adam, I want to talk about these North Korean players for a second because this is a fucking delight. It sure is. These guys are, first off, racists. <laughs> you better listen. No. Uh, <laughs> they're like, they're all just like, they're shooting shots. Like they're sinking everything. It's like a team of Korean Reggie Millers. Yeah, like the days of the dream team marching into the Olympics and winning every game by 56 points are long, long gone. And the game has evolved globally to the point where in a lot of countries, the national team could probably handle the average NBA team pretty well. And added to that in this case is we're talking about an authoritarian regime and those regimes love sports because Oof. It can become a, a, yeah. a point of national pride. Yeah, sports teams are like show ponies to, to dictators. Yeah, and they've clearly put a lot of money into this group of basketball players. Like, in America, if you're not doing your job, you get traded. Korea seems like the stakes might be a little higher. Right. You're not going to San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, that, that even happened in, was it Colombia? Where the uh, a player... The goalie? the goalie that got his own goal yeah and then got executed uh, yeah he was fucking murdered yeah pretty wild that wasn't by the government though that was just fucking people yeah that's true but in korea the government's gonna be like oh i'm sorry you don't want to pass yeah a technical foul is three months in jail so uh, a guy from patty power during this part of the documentary correctly predicts that this group of 40 and 50 something NBA players, ex NBA players are going to have a little bit of trouble with this team. Yeah, he's like this is uh this is not going to be as good as they think. And this is perfect for Kim Jong Un cuz he's like let's fucking let's make a let's kind of embarrass some all-stars. Some right. Americans. It's a good way to push America's dick in the dirt. And I'm actually I got this uh wrong. This all happens before the team goes to North Korea. This is all this part happens during the part of the trip that's still going relatively well. Yeah, I think this is the well, this is the first sign that it's not going to go well. Right. Wait, oh no, no, no. He's at wait, is he he might be sober for this. I'm going to be honest. I, I watched I watched the documentary a little while ago and I it's hard to conflate which parts he was blind drunk and not because it's such a fucking whirlwind. The first time he goes to pick out 
the players that are going to compete against the all-stars he's bringing back. That's the trip where he's still sober. The, the wildest thing he does there is he's smoking a cigar in the gym while he's picking out this team. And he's like, these guys are good. Right. And then he goes home and there's all this media pressure and he starts drinking again. And one of the pieces of information that he fails to relay to the team he brings back is that these guys are pretty good and uh, you might want to be in shape for this, but they weren't. And that's when he comes back to North Korea drunk, super duper drunk, and with a team of NBA players with him. And those NBA players are, well, they're not all NBA players, Cliff Robinson, Doug Christie, Kenny Anderson, Guy Dupree, who's from the Euro League, Vin Baker, Andre Poole, who is a street ball player, Antoine Scott, former Globetrotter, and Charles Smith, who I fucking hated during the 90s because he played for the Knicks. Remember Doug Christie and his wife? Yeah, what was... Wait, wait, wait. They were crazy, am I right? They were. It, like, what What did they... I kind of remember it, but it's kind of gone. Their thing was that he had to basically tell her where he was at all times. He could not go to functions alone. He had to bring her no matter what it was. They had a really weird and seemingly toxic relationship that they tried to play off as, oh, we're just deeply in love. And it's like, no, you both seem like crazy people. Oh, they get remarried every year Yeah, on their anniversary. Yeah, it's it's intense. Oof. Oh, they had a BET show called The Christie's Committed. Yeah. Stereo. Oh, yeah. She's all over the place. Yeah, that relationship could be season two of this podcast. It's yeah, right? fucking nuts. But everyone is in good spirits when they arrive in North Korea, except Dennis Rodman is fucking hammered. And they are nervous. Yeah, they, they go to dinner with a bunch of North Korean dignitaries he holds the sports minister's hand when they walk in this right here is is like the keystone of the show this this like 15 minute shot of the documentary is sort of the crux of this whole thing it's definitely one of the hardest parts to watch it is dennis rodman melting down in a very scary way that could have gotten him killed in different ways which is fun right any number of ways Dennis Rodman could have died in North Korea. Yeah, he's got a whole collection of reasons to be murdered <laughs> by several different people, Korean and American. That's what's going to bring the Koreans and the Americans together. The collective idea that Dennis Rodman does need to die. He gives a toast and he's fucking wrecked. He at least has the presence of mind to let Vin Baker come up and do the talking instead. Vin Baker, you know former Milwaukee Buck, uh, at the time of this was working on his master's, probably has it by now. And he was a coach as well. Was he? Right. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is the first point where Joe Terwilliger jumps up to do karaoke. And after the, the karaoke, Dennis Rodman just grabs the microphone and sings Santeria to the collected dignitaries of North Korea. It's a sublime song, Jeff. He sang it to the people of North Korea. Uh, you know, There's this really funny thing that I'm picturing in my head and i'm wondering if you can travel with me for a second <laughs> that there is you know what a karaoke dj in america is like well ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of karaoke bobs we got you know like those guys yeah you know you know we, we've got crystal coming up and she's singing she hates me by hoobastank whoa that's my puddle of mud thank you it doesn't matter they're the same band and uh 
I like to picture that there's like a Korean version of that, like a North Korean version of a guy wearing like a sequined blazer <laughs> and like reflective shades. I'm like, that is a job of Dennis Robbins coming up. He's got, got some sublime coming up next. <laughs> then Vin Baker is going to do no diggity. What a weird choice. Why sublime Dennis Rodman? Dennis Rodman loves white dude music. That he does. Like if a, a white dude with long hair likes it, like just picture Dennis Rodman at like a Guster concert or something. <laughs> I love Demez, man. I love Demez. Very easy to picture. Yeah, you don't. You don't know what Dave Matthews did. You want to tell me? Somehow, him singing Santeria is not the most awkward thing that happens at this dinner because he then, shortly thereafter, gets in a screaming match with this Irish journalist who is there to write a book about Dennis Rodman's trip to North Korea. It's a pretty one-sided match where the guy's just like, I'm not going to say shit right now. He just looks at Dennis screaming. It's the kind of thing where everyone in the room all at the same time just sort of like looks down like, what are we going to do? Yeah. You see Vin Baker hitting a button on his watch that's like, come get us, please. (laughs) Yeah, like... Given the things that Americans have been arrested for in North Korea, I am shocked Dennis Rodman did not get arrested for this. It's too high profile to not have that be the situation, but it's a problem. So the the night ends relatively fine. They all take pictures together, and Dennis Rodman seems like he's back in good spirits. The next morning, he has to run a joint training session between the U.S. team and North Korea, already hammered. As soon as he shows up. Problematically hammered. Very much so. He is a mess during these drills to the point that Charles Smith just kind of takes over. And Dennis Rodman just makes a fucking ass out of himself during these drills. Charles Smith really comes off as the hero of this leg of the trip because... He's the one that is going to start taking over for like the Today Show and shit or for CNN, right? Because a lot is thrown to Vin Baker, but Vin Baker is very like, I'm on a boat energy. (laughs) Yeah. During this, like he has kind of party energy, whereas uh, Smith is just like fucking, I know where I am and I know what this means and I I know what eyes are upon us. And the the reason Charles Smith was there, I mean, he's still in relatively good shape for being an ex-player so that part makes sense but he also he did this he organized trips overseas for exhibition games he had just never done it in north korea obviously and so they they do these drills dennis rodman is being a dick a huge fucking dick during the to the players to the team to everybody it's a fucking nightmare it's bad it's not even like haha bad it's just bad bad you know yeah it's not funny almost all of this is not funny to watch it sounds funny to say dennis rodman sang santeria at a dinner with north korean dignitaries but no that part is funny (laughs) i mean it was kind of funny that part is objectively funny (laughs) because they also had santeria no they didn't there was no music he just grabbed the microphone and sang it acapella he screamed it acapella and fucked it up pretty mighty he probably was like i don't play in north korea (laughs) i ain't got no basketball (laughs) right yeah yeah that was good thank you so they get done with this training sesh 
and get back to the hotel and find that all of these players have sponsors back in the United States who are like, what the fuck are you doing in North Korea? We will drop you. Yeah, there's a there's a part too that that can't be ignored where they're interviewing the Korean players and they're all being very respectful, except one dude who's like, I thought they were going to be better. These guys are fucking garbage. Yeah, yeah, that part. He's like, I was kind of, and he's dead now. Uh, Dennis Rodman killed him. Yeah, what you talking about me? (laughs) Yeah, they they get back to the hotel. And they have all these messages from sponsors back in the U.S. who want to drop them because this trip has become really controversial. And Charles Smith, once again, takes over and manages to set up an interview with CNN with Chris Cuomo. And Dennis shows up in the middle of this meeting where they're prepping for this interview and just kind of gets angry that they're prepping for this, that the inner, like once again, shows up drunk and is being an asshole. Yeah. Drunk Dennis, not happy with PR. No, but he agrees to do this interview. And thankfully, Charles Smith does most of the talking. Expertly so. He handles it really well. Yeah. There's a lot of him saying like, hey, He's like, we're not diplomats, we're basketball players, and we use basketball as a way to bridge the gaps that other worlds can't, you know, they say basketball is a relatively universal sport. We're using this as our way to bring goodwill in places that they're not, it's not available. And it's a good interview on Charles Smith's part until... Before we get to what Dennis Rodman did, there's one detail that I don't think these players it's it's at least portrayed as them not realizing this part and I don't think we've mentioned it yet but Dennis Rodman was doing this for Kim Jong-un's birthday yeah and that's kind of the reason it was such a big news story and I don't necessarily think the other players knew that part it seemed like they were a little bit blindsided by that detail is it weird to me that I don't know why that's such a big deal? Because it's the difference between bridging the gap between two cultures and just putting on a show for a dictator. Like all of those stories that came out about like Beyonce and Usher and all these musicians who did Playing like... in like Saudi Arabia and shit. Yeah, did shows for like Gaddafi's kids and shit like that. And eventually like Some of them gave the money back. Some of them were like, fuck you, I'll do whatever I want. I think it was that same sort of thing where it wasn't just a trip to North Korea. It was a gift to a dictator. And it seemed like the players didn't necessarily know about that part going in. I got to be honest. I don't think the dictators would. I mean, the, the players would have been against it anyways. No, probably not. But the media... The American media made a huge deal out of it. Well, they sure did. It's weird. Like, I, I, I'm i so like, like, there are things that I understand are problems, but this part of it, maybe my brain isn't processing it properly, but I'm like, is that any worse than if they just went? Like, is it really a gift or is it more of like, a, well, we need to get this done. His birthday happens to be on this situation. So why not? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on how much you believe about Kim Jong-un. And also, I don't want this to be misinterpreted. I do. From my opinion. What I mean is, I love North Korea. Right. And I think Kim Jong-un is a wonderful leader. And I don't want people to think that I'm not feeling that way when I say this <laughs> stuff. It's just that I support the DPRK. Right. It's clearly, it's it's only coming from a position of respect and support for that regime. And sedition. Yeah. 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 That's all. That's it. 
I'm not being not patriotic about my allegiances <laughs> to Korea. You know? Welcome to the treason cast. I like two things, Adam. Problematic sports figures <laughs> and the supreme dictator. Who doesn't? It's like the quarterback of a country. It's great. Yeah. You go, that he's the Michael Jordan of <laughs> Korean dictators right now. He sure is. Especially the part where he pretended to be sick for the theatrics. And his dad was probably murdered. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah. That's why, that's why Patty Power came because of the gambling debts that the Yoon family has. Oh, we forgot to mention that. Patty Power ended up pulling out. They didn't even yeah, end up going to North Korea. Yeah. They're like, you know what? That's all right. <laughs> We're seeing how Mr. Rodman conducts himself under high pressure. We're the fucking out of here, man. Also, a, a Christian dude just got arrested, and I don't know if you know about Ireland, but we're pretty big on the Christ. <laughs> so we should finish talking about this interview, because Charles Smith handles his part really well. Man, Charles Smith is, I'll tell you what, the first three quarters, all Charles Smith. And then they put Rodman in the game. Oof, and he throws a bucket and confetti at Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo asks Rodman about Kenneth Bay, and... You can just see all the players around Rodman are like, oh no, he's going to talk. And he doesn't talk. He starts screaming. It's interesting because he's like, do you know what he did? Do you know what, do you know what he did? He's like really angry. And all the basket, you can see it. Like the basketball players aren't even hiding their complete terror mixed with disgust. Right. It's a literally revolting experience. And here's the thing. It's completely possible that Kenneth Bay was a spy. Like, I have my suspicions a lot of times. There was this, at one point, this group of American hikers who accidentally crossed the border into Iran. Oh, I remember when that happened, yeah. And they were taken into custody, and I'm like, what are you doing hiking in Iran? Yeah, you know you can hike in places that aren't Iran. Yeah, you can go to fucking Laurel Canyon. I don't know. Wherever people fucking hike in Los Angeles like weirdos. But so I don't doubt that he might have even been a spy or might have been doing something untoward in North Korea. But here's the thing. You can't take that stance on CNN. Yeah. And like angrily and accusatorily and also drunkenly. And especially not after Charles Smith has just spent the previous 15 minutes kind of undoing that stink yeah there's a lot of charles smith putting out the fire of dennis rodman during this like charles smith should have gotten an american freedom medal when he got back yeah he he should get a purple heart for the fucking beating that he took because of dennis rodman over this it is intense and we haven't even gotten to the game yet no but as awkward as this moment is the the part where he screams about kenneth bay is just sort of the start of his rant and then the rest of it is just him defending the other players and it actually doesn't come off as bad as the documentary makes it seem at first yeah if you watch the documentary uh, if you watch the interview it's it's not as bad i think the sound is also different like it's much more accusatory and yelling from the documentary cameras than what cnn has yeah so the game goes forward there was after that interview initially there was another meeting about whether they should still do this and then they're able to watch the interview as it's broadcast on cnn and they realize it actually kind of helped so yeah the game goes forward they look all right yeah the game goes forward kim jong-un arrives at this stadium and 
the crowd goes wild as mandated by North Korean law. Mm-hmm. And they just, they scream for this dude for what feels like about 15 minutes. It is yeah. absurd. I did too. Well, of course you have to out of respect. Yeah. It's his fucking birthday, man. It it sure is. And Dennis Rodman, already drunk uh, before this game starts, goes to uh, say a few words to Kim Jong-un and ends by singing him happy birthday. And this is sort of the song heard around the world. Right. And I still get a little confused. I People like won't let this go. And it's just like, hi, it's a custom that if it's somebody's birthday, you sing happy birthday to them. But like, imagine if Ted Williams went to Nazi Germany and sang happy birthday to Hitler. He did. That was like a popular thing that happened. (laughs) Hitler was a huge fan of American baseball. You ever heard the rumor that Ted Williams is the one who brought amphetamines into baseball? Because he was such a good hitter? Because he was a fighter pilot during World War II. And they fucked with amphetamines a whole lot. And then Ted Williams comes back from World War II, and amphetamines are huge in baseball. And hits 406. Yep, go figure. So him singing happy birthday is going to be a bad look back home. Yeah, but I think that people are putting maybe a little too much of an expectation on... How do I put it? How is it possible? But I think people expect too much from Dennis Rodman. I think people are expecting him to understand the geopolitical results of singing happy birthday to a person that he thinks is his friend. Right. And that's one of the things that kind of bothers me about Dennis Rodman is that he doesn't realize that because people say it to him over and over again they're like like this guy murders people and dennis rodman's just like he's my friend man well there's an interview it's interesting because uh in the aftermath of this uh not too long ago like last year i hate saying her name but megan kelly did an interview with dennis rodman and is like look like this is what he has done you know he's been responsible for the torture and murder of this he's killed this many people and and you know the un and all these people have said and he's like i don't know nothing about that man i just you know he's always been good to me and it's like this comes back to the it's always they've always been good to me principle which is like oh this person couldn't have raped these other people they never raped me or they could i don't think that person would be violent they've never been violent towards me it's like that's not how things work right you hear that with police shootings too where someone will be like man the police gotta fucking get this shit under control and someone who like grew up with a cop in the family will be like my uncle was a cop and he was always nice to me and it's like motherfucker that doesn't matter that has nothing to do with this yeah, it's it's just one of those things. He really does like to push that. Like, he, it's like an ostrich situation. He he really puts his head in the ground and is just like. He, there's a lot of him just putting his la 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 la. Like, I don't want to hear it. Stop asking me because I don't want to hear it. He's my friend. He's good. Yeah, and I mean, what else is he gonna say? I guess like, there's not much else he can say or do. So he does do a nice thing with this game where the first half is us versus North Korea. And then the second half, the teams like intermingle and all play together. This is a good idea for a couple of reasons, Adam, and not the least of which is the Americans are getting their dicks pushed in the dirt. They this is a fun, fun moment to watch. Should have brought the Globetrotters. Probably should have. Yeah, actually could have had a chance. Like, this is ripple effects of the dream team right here. 
like for years we didn't send our pros out on the global stage until we won silver one year and we're like nope fuck that we are sending our pros and every other country in response got significantly better at basketball because we did that and that's what's happening here is this team of former nba players like yes they're former nba players but they're also old and slow and not in nba player shape anymore and they run up against this team of north koreans who it's like they're playing 15 john stocktons basically it's really fascinating just like these guys are sinking shots that will just break your ankles yeah and what the nba players were planning was to use their height advantage like anytime they come in the the lane for a layup we'll just block it and it's like yeah what do you do if every shot is from 35 feet out what happens when there's nothing to rebound right and they are just raining three-pointers on the nba team and mid-range jumpers and shit yeah it's it's fucking and they're also outrunning these like the street ball dude is like 28 yeah like he's good and he's the only one that can really keep up with them and then everybody else is just a bunch of dudes posting up there's so much just praying for a rebound yeah and Dennis Rodman leaves after the first quarter to go watch the rest of the game with Kim Jong-un. Like you do. And I think the American team actually improves a little bit after that because now there isn't a player on the court who's drunk. Yeah, there's a less drunk player. On the- so the American team rallies back a little bit, but at halftime it's still 45-39, North Korea. They lost. And then Rodman's like, now let's mix it up. Yeah, so then in the second half, some of the NBA players, like the teams consist of both NBA players and North Korean players, and the game seems to get way more interesting then because now both teams are sort of fast. I was going to say both teams have the same amount of drunk people on them. (laughs) Exactly. So the game goes pretty well. It seems like everyone has fun. Everyone's celebrating, and they go back to the hotel, get hammered a little bit, hit a water park that seems fun who expected north korea to have a big elaborate water park i do it's the basketball of entertainment theme park attractions so everyone goes except dennis who gets whisked away to a weekend mountain retreat with kim jong-un how romantic how do you not think that's you about to die i would be legitimately worried yeah they're like no 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 you guys go there dennis you come with us We have to talk to you on a mountain real quick. And even worse, when they first go to this mountain retreat, he does have a bunch of people with him. And then the North Koreans are like, no, 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 no. All of you have to go back. Dennis can stay. And he does. And as it turns out, Kim Jong-un never showed up. No, because his handlers were like, you are not going there. Right. Because you'll fuck Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Or more, no, Dennis Rodman will fuck you. And a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that Dennis Rodman got to this resort and immediately started drinking. Uh, Continued drinking. Continued drinking. And apparently it's like the biggest binge he goes on the entire trip to the point that it just kind of scares Kim Jong-un away. We're showing him our real American power right there. It's an American flex. We scared him away. Yeah, even if he's an evil dictator, he's still a world leader. And you're going to spend a bromantic weekend with a world leader and you get that fucking drunk? Like, it's disrespectful. 
Like, I don't care about Kim Jong-un being disrespected, but I can see how that would happen. And he'd be like, okay, that's weird. I'm just going to stay home. Yeah, you're you're starting to show your colors, Adam. You're like, that is disrespectful <laughs> to the honorable marshal on his birthday, nonetheless. His birthday weekend. You know how much he was looking forward to that. <laughs> we should just become a pro <laughs> Kim Jong-un network. I wonder how long we'd get away with that. Yeah. Unpopular opinion. <laughs> no electricity at night, I say. Oh, man. I think we should do more streaming of assassinations. So you're not going to believe this people listening at home but as soon as he got back to the united states dennis rodman checked into rehab it's a good idea seems like a good call and you can tell from the interviews in this documentary dennis rodman knows he kind of blew it he was gonna have a lot of face time with this world leader that in dennis rodman's own words he was trying to kind of introduced to America and like bridge the gap between North Korea and America. And this was going to be the opportunity to do that. But instead he could not stop drinking and it never happened. And I'm pretty sure to this day, he has not met with Kim Jong-un since. And I like, I never thought I'd be sad for someone not meeting Kim Jong-un, but I am. I mean, you're the unpopular opinion <laughs> network. We support anybody's right to meet Kim Jong-un. <laughs> I gotta stop. So he does go back to North Korea, though, at one point after this documentary. And it is worth mentioning, in 2014, Kenneth Bay was released. So Thanks to Dennis Rodman. Yeah, it's like, not necessarily thanks to Dennis Rodman, but I'm sure it didn't hurt. It could have hurt. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure they beat Kenneth Bay for Dennis Rodman's crimes. They beat him with a, a frozen Rodman jersey. Just fucking soak it in water and put it in the freezer. Actually, it seems like they probably beat Otto Warmbier for the crimes of Dennis Rodman. Because weirdly enough, when Dennis Rodman goes back to North Korea in 2017, it just so happens that a State Department official was also in Pyongyang at that time collecting basically the the body of Otto Warmbier. The living corpse of Otto Warmbier. Yeah, who was the American who tore down a poster and got arrested and imprisoned and severely beaten. This is going to sound awful, but like, Otto, what did you think was going to happen? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that story? I think it was in Singapore. Yeah, the kid the, that was caned, yeah. The caning, yeah. Yeah. where the guy had vandalized a bunch of cars. And it's like, I get that caning isn't the punishment for vandalizing cars in the United States and that he's American, but you're not in America, bub. Don't vandalize those cars. Maybe you won't get fucking caned. That was Michael Fay. That was huge. Yeah. Weird Al wrote a song about it. Interesting. Yeah. What was it called? Headline News. And it was a version of the Crash Test Dummies song. Oh, it was like, once there was this kid who... You remember? I don't, but I can picture it. Well, I think <laughs> I was a big Weird Al fan, and I was right at the time for that to happen. <clears throat> I think they covered, if I can remember properly, headline news was Lorena Bobbitt, Michael Fay, and probably Tanya Harding, I guess, were the three... That makes sense. The three uh, subjects of that. But, like, it's, like, you're, you're, you're... Like, how the fuck do you... First off, you're a college student. How are you in North Korea? One. Two, who, did you not... Were you not told what North Korea does? Yeah, it is... Like, it's... You don't want a victim blame? No. But 
at the same time, why'd you tear that poster down, dude? I mean, unless he like didn't actually do it and just got blamed for it or something. Then I was it a poster that's like auto sucks <laughs> at his face on it. Dennis Rodman giving him the finger. Yeah. You know, I don't like it. So Dennis Rodman just so happened to go back at the same time the State Department was getting Otto Warmbier out of North Korea. And he didn't meet with Kim Jong-un that time either. He uh, coached a women's basketball team, presented some gifts, met the sports minister. The gifts are great. Yeah. Two autographed basketball jerseys, soap sets, a mermaid jigsaw puzzle, and a Where's Waldo book for Kim's daughter, and a copy of Donald Trump's The Art of the Deal. <sighs> Why has it got to end with Rodman being a Trump supporter? There's an article that's like, maybe that was a brilliant move because he wanted them to meet, and so now he's giving Oon an inside look at Donald Trump's thought process. And it's like, I don't think that's what he was doing. No, probably not. And then he, there ends up being this summit with Kim Jong-un and Trump in Singapore. And Dennis Rodman was at that, too. That one is interesting that because he was like, we find out that like he went to that, like he was invited to it. Like he didn't just decide to go. Like we immediately assume that Dennis Rodman's was like, oh, I'm going to go there. And everyone's like, I bet Dennis Rodman's going to find his way in there. He was invited to that area. Right. And uh, after he went there, Sarah Huckabee Sanders called him. I told you the government talked to him. Yeah, there it is. I don't know. I I hate this ending with Rodman being a Trump supporter. Doesn't surprise me because he knows Trump. That's the thing. Dennis Rodman doesn't care what you do if he knows you. And one of the reasons it doesn't surprise me is I think the overall theme of this podcast, or at least these stories about Dennis Rodman, can uh, be summed up in a moment I found in an interview with Jackie McMullen, who is a great Boston sports writer. I'll link to the interview. It's about 30 minutes long, and about seven minutes in, <clears throat> she goes, Dennis, you just want to be liked, don't you? And oh man, he loses it. And I think that is kind of the thing with Dennis Rodman. It explains his trips to North Korea is Dennis Rodman just wants a male figure in his life who loves him. And he's had it a few times. He obviously never had it with his father. He's had it at various points with different basketball coaches, teams yeah. and coaches and Chuck, things. Chuck Daly. But basketball's a business and those kind of relationships are temporary and i think dennis rodman has just never stopped searching for that father-son relationship even in with someone like kim jong-un who i'm assuming is younger than dennis rodman yeah kim jong-un is uh i think he's like in his he's 36 I yeah believe. yeah dennis rodman was 36 when he was playing for the fucking bulls so i I think that's the key to understanding Dennis Rodman in North Korea and Dennis Rodman in general. still being a Trump supporter. Dennis Rodman just wants to be loved. And it is also the idea of of when you're at this level and you and there are people like Dennis Rodman, you know, it's something not to be ignored that if you know somebody on a relatively personal level, you will go to bat for them when you might not need to be. And that's a good example. He knows, in quotes, Kim Jong-un. He was on The Apprentice, so he, like, knows Trump. And so there's the idea of, like, oh, it's 
people vote sometimes, especially in local elections, people vote for the name they recognize. Yeah. And if they've met a person, you know, sometimes people will be like, oh, Charlie Henderson, he came to my door. He was very polite. I'm going to vote for him. A lot of times people will support somebody that they know in spite of the fact that they disagree with their politics. Yeah. That's a very common thing. Yeah. So like it works here for Dennis. And also he was a raging alcoholic. I wonder how that's going. The last few times I've seen him on TV, he seemed like he was doing pretty well. Lucidly mush-mouthed is the way I describe Dennis Rodman in interviews lately. He certainly talks like he's trying to get too much information out, and he he wants to seem smart and flippant at the same time, and that doesn't necessarily work. But you can tell when he's drunk in an interview. Well, yes, absolutely. And like the Megyn Kelly interview is actually a great example of him being lucid. Yeah. And, you know, but and having to defend himself in a non-drunk way, because when he's drunk, he would just point and yell. But in this, he's just like, uh, he tries to deflect. He's like, I don't know. I don't know these things. I didn't see him kill anybody in front of a firing squad. Yeah. Like she's saying, like, like a general fell asleep in a meeting and was fucking executed. And one guy was killed because he had disrespectful posture. Right. And she's like, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, oh, I don't know anything about that. It's like, I feel like you might want to consider it a bit. Maybe. And by that point, he knew. Like, that was a 2017 interview. And I think it was even after that. I think it was when I looked it up on the Today Show's YouTube account, I think it was up like last year. Jeez. Like, it's even more recent than you would uh, you would think. Yeah, we'll link to both of those on unpops.com, both of the interviews. the They're both really interesting. The Megyn Kelly one, if for no other reason than to hear Dennis Rodman in his own words explain his relationship with Kim Jong-un, but in a way that doesn't end in him literally shouting and sobbing. June 19th, 2018. Yeah. He's wearing a thin red line hat. What is, what's the thin red line? Firefighters. Oh, well, that's fine. Um, And then he gives her a gift that lets you know that he doesn't know who Megyn Kelly is. Boy, does he. He gifts her the very first, he says, official basketball featuring Dennis Rodman, Kim Jong-un, and Donald Trump. To Megyn Kelly, he gifts that. The reason Megyn Kelly was fired from Fox News. (laughs) Oh, Dennis. Yeah, that basketball is such an insane moment. That's one of the ones where you're just like, in a moment of crazy moments, this is on top of the world crazy. And I'm wondering if he sold those basketballs. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Because it looked like he was making it like for sale. Who would buy that besides me? I would 100% buy that. (laughs) I don't think you understand just how much I want that basketball. I would also suggest people watch the Jackie McMullen interview. It's about 30 minutes long, and it came out around the time of the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30, which you could also watch. It's pretty good. It's about two and a half hours. It's a a meaty one. Or no, it's not. I think it's, if I remember, it's actually shorter than I expected it to be. The Pistons, the Bad Boys Pistons 30 for 30 is like two and a half hours. That one's so good. That's like my favorite one. But this Jackie McMullen interview, it's Dennis Rodman talking to someone who doesn't want to talk about North Korea and Madonna and shit like that. She's a sports writer and it's a heavy interview after like the eight minute 
Mark. He goes into a lot of details about his childhood and his personal life that we also talked about here. So I think both of those interviews are a good follow-up to this, to hear him expand on these things in his own words. She uh, she co-wrote the Larry Bird book, right? Uh, I don't know. I think she did. I'm not going to read a book about Larry Bird. You fucking crazy. Why? You don't know a guy that gets a, a, a career-ending injury shoveling, uh, shoveling fucking shingles? That sounds like a Larry Bird move. That's what fucking ruined his back. He was shoveling shingles at his mom's house. Good. It's like, hey, man, you're you're richer than God. Maybe just hire a dude. Yeah, good for him. Like, that's, to me, that's every bit as irresponsible as, like, a player who crashes his motorcycle. Absolutely. And you're like, why'd you have a motorcycle when your body's that important? Same thing. Don't shovel your own shingles, idiot. Well, he's done all right for himself. Yeah. So I think that's our episode. Well, stay tuned for the next installment of You Don't Even Like Sport. You Don't Even Like Sports. We might do some bonus episodes in between now and the next season a bone con i i can almost guarantee we will and then uh after that we'll be back with a whole new fresh fresh batch of sods after these messages we'll be right back i mean not after matt it's gonna be a while like there's gonna be some other episodes not really just messages no we're probably gonna do we're probably going to do a new season relatively soon, all things considered. Yeah, we got time. We got time and we got sports that you don't even like, kid. You don't even like sports. Jeff, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Hey, I got lots of stuff. Check out Sideshow Sideshow every other Tuesday with Sideshow Collectibles. Don't forget to check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Patreon. And then I'm available here on You Don't Even Like Sports. Check us out. Adam, are going to do projects. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to be doing some some video stuff related to this podcast. Porn. We're going to do we're gonna some do porn. We're going to do sport porn. You don't even yeah. like porn. We're going to set up an OnlyFans, you know, erotic pictures of me and Jeff. That'll be cool. Photos of Dennis Rodman's obviously pierced dick. <laughs> be like that ESPN body issue. It's just athletes posing nude, hiding the bits. Except with us, you get the bits. Imagine a podcasting magazine that had the body issue. (laughs) Oh, no. I hurt my index finger, and it's like one of the most debilitating podcasting injuries I've ever had. Fucking sucks. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, patreon.com slash unpops, uh, unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. Those are two ways you can subscribe to the network and give us money, which we appreciate because then we can eat food and Jeff can drink five-hour energy and things like that. Oh, yeah, I can. Keep me fed, bitch. And uh, I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Jeff, say goodbye. We'll see y'all later. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Don't forget to get them rebounds. (laughs) 